Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Rain City Bunker. I'm Andy Brown and I'm here with my host, Greg Moon. I'm actually your co-host, Andy. Co-host. You're a host too. (laughs) This is our coveted Halloween episode. Yes, this is the episode that we manage to do every year, uh, you know, even if we go long periods of time. I think, I think we did miss one year. Did we miss one year? I think. Do you remember when it was, by any chance? 16, I think, when I was in the middle of getting married and stuff. Oh, that or makes 17. sense. That one makes of those sense. Years. I feel like but a pretty still, good record. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. So it is an amazing fall day out today. It's the, the trees are changing. There's a bunch of leaves blowing in the wind. Um, it's mild and sunny. It's, it's mild and sunny. It's not raining, which is something that happens in Seattle a lot. This kind of reminds me of some New England uh, falls that we've had. I always love this time of year. Uh, I'm a big summer guy, but this specific time of year is always really uh, cool for me. You know, and I think I think some of it comes from the memories of being a kid, and it's like you're still kind of newly back in school, and. Uh, you know, you're heading into the holiday season change. and everything. Yeah. There's a lot of change going on yeah. in fall. It's going from warm to cool. Very dramatic. From uh, free to st- structured. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I remember, even though I wasn't a big fan, I remember the football games. I would go because it was a social event. Right. So that was kind of a cool right, fall a lot of thing. Sport, a lot of sports stuff that kind of feels like it because it's the winding up. Have we had the World Series yet? World Series is going on. It's going on. So We're not sports guys. Yeah. So that that happens around. But there, there is that kind of like. The beginning of one uh, sports season and the end of another. Yeah. And, yeah. and so. definitely football is a big part of the fall. And then, of course, Halloween. We both love Halloween. Yep. and kind of the, One of our favorite times the, of the year. The whole uh, feeling around Halloween and everything. And this episode is one that I've wanted to do. What we're going to primarily focus on, this is something I've wanted to do for a while now. And it's going to be all about ghosts. Um Almost all about. Almost all about ghosts, yeah. <laughs> I, but I meant the subject is going to be yeah. all about ghosts. And part of the reason I, I, I wanted to do this is because my um, my lovely girlfriend, Jackie, she'll often will be watching a movie that has like ghosts in it or something. And she'll be like, wait, why does the ghost do that? What's the theory about that? And I'm like, well, I, you know, some people think this, some people think that. And, you know, there's obviously the fictional uh, depiction of ghosts and then... There's the completely skeptical. We're going to cover that as well. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to start off with, actually. The skeptical... Um, scientific. Scientific view of ghosts. And uh, then all the way to religion and philosophy and so forth. A little history. On. How far back ghosts? A little bit of history. We're not going to bore you to death with history, but I think we'll have some interesting oh. things. Greg actually found some... I didn't realize how far back. Yeah, it goes back went. quite a ways. And there's a really kind of a cool story that... Uh, I'll tell briefly, and it seems to be almost a prototype ghost story. Yeah, yeah. And it's pretty old. Yeah. So uh, before we do that, though, there's a there's a, a news story that's been – I've seen it all over the place, so we're not new in covering it. But I think it's kind of – it's it kind of relates to the season, and I think there's a reason that um, a lot of people are, are uh, interested in it. And essentially it's about uh, – an animal, or what would you call it, or an organism? Well, first of all, Andy, first things first. Yeah. This is our creature. So it's it's an organism that's on currently on display or exhibit at the Paris Zoo. And it's it's a blob. Uh, it, it's this single-cell organism. Single-cell organism, which I couldn't believe because it's, I'm not sure how big, but maybe up to the size of your hand or something. I mean, right. it's it's not tiny, tiny. It's... 
And they said that's very unusual, I think, for um, – yeah, most, most single-cell organisms like amoeba are microscopic. Yeah. Yeah, and this one, <laughs> there's I've seen all sorts. Of, it's really easy. We'll pa- have a link on our webpage, but I seriously, if you just look up uh, uh, Paris Zoo blob, you'll find it. And I love that they're calling it the blob because it reminds me of that. What uh, it kind of looks like. <laughs> yeah, it does. And the, the I think the pictures are interesting. In the article, they describe it as looking like dog vomit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I don't. I, it they have a picture. Uh, the, uh, the article that I'm going to read from is Vice, from Vice. And it shows the mold or the slime or the blob or whatever. It's a mold slime. It's actually both mold and the slime. Mold slime. And it's kind of veiny and yellow, and uh, it it seems to be kind of like growing or traveling. Do you know know what I just realized that it kind of reminds me of? Do you remember that episode of the old Star Trek where the flying pancakes? Yeah, they were almost like, well, I'm just going to get gross. But they look like – I remember as a kid I thought they looked like scabs. Or yeah, flying vomit. Yeah, flying. But it was I think it was made out of a plastic, transparent plastic. Yeah. And that's kind of what that looks like. Yeah. And just quick aside, do you remember we met somebody who as a kid actually visited the set of Star Trek when they were filming that episode? I don't recall. It was the the documentary thing that I was working on, the Tiki guy. Oh. Because wow. they filmed it at a college or or, or Wasn't some it like lab? an aerospace company? Yeah, aerospace company. Yeah, That's they right. did that episode there. And his dad worked there, so his dad got him onto the set and he met yeah. Leonard Nimoy and all that kind of Yeah, thing. I remember you telling yeah. me that story. Yeah, yeah interesting. Um, so at any rate, just a, a few details of this. Like I said, it's on the display at Paris Zoo. And the reason they're displaying it is because you can see it, like Greg said, that most single-celled organisms you can't see without a microscope. Uh, this one you can't. What did, how big did they say? Like about the size of a... Fist or I'm something. not sure. I'm not sure. I, I skimmed through the article, but I think smaller than the hand. But yeah. Oh, and it's. Uh, I'm reading, looking, scanning the article. First unicellular organism to be on display in a zoo. Um. So visitors. I'm reading from the article now. Visitors to the Paris Zoological Park may not be awed at first glance by a new exhibit exhibit featuring a bright yellow growth on a portion of a tree. But don't be fooled. The star of the exhibit. The slime mold, nicknamed the blob, can solve mazes, help make music, and reform itself into two minutes after being split in half, all without a brain. And, uh, you know, oh, it says uh, the blob uh, can grow up to several feet in diameter. Whoa. And it is, a, I guess it's a popular, uh, this particular um, mold, and it's called, the, the blob scientific name is Physarium polycephalum uh its species name polycephalum means many headed in greek because it is essentially a bag of many nuclei but uh, in one cell in one cell and that's most one, cells have one nuclei I think. yeah and that's one reason it's it's one of the reasons it's popular uh for scientists is because you can demonstrate a, a, a large uh unicellular organism in with this slime mold and uh one of the other really interesting things about it is people have begun to use it 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 seems to learn um so they they can put it in a maze with food uh in the maze and it kind of can find its way to the maze and then greg kind of saw this thing where it's like uh they put uh, oatmeal it likes oatmeal oatmeal is its favorite thing they put some a, a little pile of oatmeal on the other side of this chemical that it does not like a little bridge they built a bridge they and they the put bridge. this chemical that it avoids typically yeah and then it found a way to cross that you but know. It, it it's like us like you know 
eating hot mustard if you hate hot mustard to go get that filet mignon, right? Yeah. So yeah, it, go, yeah. it was willing to bear some discomfort <laughs> to get the oatmeal. Yeah, and uh, and it's it apparently can solve mazes in the similar sort of way. And I was reading a, a connected article in which a guy actually made a map of the United States with the urban hubs, and they were little, little piles of oatmeal. <laughs> and in a relatively short amount of time, the mold created essentially like these – these highways and roads by stretching its body out yeah it kind of tendrils to the to the places that mimicked the actual highways highways and roads (laughs) and everything um and then there's some why don't we put him in charge of the transportation (laughs) department or her (laughs) it i think it prefers to go it probably yeah um probably reproduces by cutting itself in half (laughs) and they have you know at this exhibit they have um uh a a talk that's called the blob the blob a ufo of biology and then they also have a film that they're going to show the blob a genius without a brain and somebody was like we said earlier on when we were reading this somebody's made music with it which i don't quite understand and i'm gonna they didn't pro- go into detail they didn't go into detail to... but I, I i'm gonna look into it and see figure out how maybe some pattern yeah, I, it's probably yeah patterns i would imagine but one of the reasons i think this i think this um story was so popular and was all over the news is because of its association they call it the blob and there was that 19 i think it was a 1958 movie with steve mcqueen i remember that movie um and then there was a remake in the 1980s the late 80s uh with uh, uh matthew what was his name mcconaughey um, no not mcconaughey uh, shoot the uh, guy who did ferris bueller no sorry can't remember right. he was in entourage that guy i think so, uh, yeah, and the 80s one was pretty good, too. Uh, but I, I never th- saw that one. Yeah. Is it worth seeing? Uh, yeah, it, it actually is. It's it, it it's kind of of its time, but it's a fun movie. Yeah. And the original one's the one I re- vaguely remember. Yeah. But it was like an alien blob, right? Didn't it, it a meteor come down thing, and meteor. the blob? Yeah, meteor. And the blob got bigger and bigger it, it, and took over. Yeah. And I people think... People running from it. I think the reason... When you see stuff like this and when you see like people really being interested in it... I think if you were in Hollywood, you should pay attention to that, because I think what that means is that it's either we're either ripe for another remake of that kind of thing, um, or reimagining, a reimagining of it, or something similar. And I mean, the, the idea of the kind of amorphous um, blob monster that you can't defeat, and you know, it just keeps. So why do you there. think there is an intrigue about it? Because it's so alien. I think it. Yeah, I think it's alien. Even the talk that they're giving at the Paris Zoo, they call it the UFO of organisms or whatever it is, or biology. Um, I think it's so alien, and it's so much what we're not used to. Because think of all the other organisms. Like there's there's something relatable to our our morphology. Like they have heads and eyes, and you know, you, right. you know, this a, does not. A blob you know? is a. Uh, a yellow pancake yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I'm pay attention Hollywood. I think I think people want another kind of you know giant blob movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been 25, 30 years. So we're ready. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I think we should just kind of move on from that and go into. So I'm, that was our creature feature. So creature. now we're going to the main theme. The main theme of ghosts. About ghosts. And I'm going to start off by t- saying like. Um, my girlfriend and I met uh, in October, so our, we consider our anniversary just generally the this time of year in October. And uh, actually, one of our first dates was we went to a Halloween party at Greg's house. 
First time I met her. And that was about 10 years ago. So we had our 10-year anniversary. And we decided this year we went to Victoria, B.C. And um, uh, for those of you who haven't been there, it's just really beautiful. Greg, you said you've been yeah, there, I been there a long time, long time ago. But, yeah, beautiful. See, I remember the monkey puzzle trees. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the monkey yeah, puzzle yeah, trees? Yeah, yeah, monkey puzzle trees. And just beautiful kind of British architecture. Yeah, and it's they kind of retain the history. There's a lot of Victorian-era architecture in there. And, and my girlfriend and I, Jackie and I, lo- like ghosts and spooky things and stuff like that. So we did our first night there we did a, a ghost walk where the, the the guide took us around and you know they tell the various ghost stories and everything um and then we went to a couple of his we did a lot of stuff when we were there a lot of stuff it was it was fun we went to the british museum they had a um uh mayan exhibit which was amazing it was re- really extensive i thought it was going to be small but it was huge there was a lot to look at and they had a lot of just fascinating artifacts um but we also wanted to visit some historical sites there, and we went to uh, – there's um, Emily Carr is her name. She's a famous painter and poet from that region, and she – I think she was active and alive from, like, the late 1800s to early 1900s, if I'm not mistaken. We went to her historical house, um, and it was interesting. We almost got, like, a private tour because we showed up, and there we, we missed their – their hours, they have their tour hours, um, and they kind of ended like a week before we came. Mm-hmm. They don't, they weren't really get, doing tours. Um, but as we were walking around the house, kind of looking at the outside of it, this woman walked by and she said, "Oh, you should knock on the door. The guy who runs the place, he's really nice. He'll probably let you in." And he was preparing for a book reading. They were going to have a book reading there in a few hours, and he just he just essentially said, "Oh yeah, come on in." And he's like, "Walk around," and he gave us a little laminated sheet uh, you know that was kind of a guide thing and they've restored this house and um nothing spooky there you know in fact it was just it was kind of like an interesting slice of what family life you know and they tried to set it up like how it would be mm-hmm. when when she was young and th- this would have been her childhood home when she was young and, and living there and uh she did come up on the ghost tour um this emily carr uh but not that house there was another place that she supposedly shows up at mm. as a little girl because yeah. she would go to this this building as a little girl mm. so it's almost like her her as a little girl would some okay. supposedly shows now, up in these that's windows. interesting we're going to be talking about ghosts yes. but to me i always had the impression that a ghost would be someone at the time of right, passing. Right, right. So that's maybe we'll talk about that a little yeah, bit later. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's one of the theories. But that this would seem to be contradictory to that. So we didn't. Nothing happened there. But a good walk from the Emily Carr house. There's this other place, and it's called Craigdarrock. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Craigdarrock Castle, and it's an actual, honest to God, castle that was built. Um, it was built by, hang on, I'm going to look it up, Robert Dunsmuir, who was a... Dunsmuir. He was a... Dunsmuir. I think Dun, it's Scottish. Dunsmuir. Oh, yeah, he was Scottish. Yeah. And I, I the name of the castle is something from Scotland. I don't Maybe it was named after a castle in Scotland. Mm. But he um, he was essentially a coal baron, and he was also a rail involved in the rail there. So think of him as like a Carnegie or something of like... Of, of that era. Of that era and that Or of that place. area. Yeah. Era and area. Yeah, and he started building it, and I swear I feel like I've heard this sto- this kind of story before. He started building it in the 1800s, and then he died in 1889. 
and the 17 months before the oh. ca- the castle was completed and it, his sons uh alexander and james took over and they finished it and then the widow moved in um and i swear i feel like i feel like isn't it the story of winchester the, the house? winchester house yeah i think they started building it Winch- when her when her husband was still alive and then he died before it was finished that's right i think that's what it, I think it does sound it like a similar story yeah. these rich people well when bill i mean quick aside yeah when bill gates was building his house on lake washington yeah i think it took like four or five years it yeah. took a long time yeah so when you're really rich and you're building a big house it takes a while i guess yeah <laughs> so the place is now a historical site and uh it's run by a you know private organization that has restored it they they actually um it's crazy they got a lot of the uh the art and the furniture and everything it had all been sold off when the family moved out um which was 1908 they left mm. and this organization i think uh, led by this this guy who you know and this was in 1979 that they turned it back into a historical site he they went out and found a lot of the original art original furniture and brought it back that had been auctioned off had been auctioned they found off. they went and did yeah. research and found but think about how crazy that is yeah. that had been auctioned off in 1908 and over 100 years around 100 years later around 100 well, not quite it was 1970s okay so yeah. about 60 some years yeah. later but wow this, yeah. But this place had been, after the Dunsmuirs moved out, it had been a military hospital. Oh, actually, so- shortly before then, this is kind of crazy. When the widow died, Joan, uh, Joan Dunsmuir, um, the Craig Dark ex- estate was sold to a land speculator for $38,000. And he subdivided the estate into building lots, uh, housing lots. And... Um, he to kind of promote the uh, the sale of the lots. If you bought a home, you would be in a raffle to win the castle. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that a crazy? good marketing. It, it, yeah, <laughs> isn't it? And so the winner, a guy named Solomon Cameron, uh, he mortgaged the home to finance other speculative ventures and everything. And he essentially he kind of mortgages this place into into so it it went to the bank and it went to the Bank of Montreal. And then from that point on, it became a military hospital in 1919. Right after the end of World right War II. And it World was, War One. And it's funny. When we went there, they were actually doing – there was reenactors, you know, people in mm-hmm. the old World War One uniforms and stuff, which kind of added to the – and nurses' uniforms that added to the, uh, the atmosphere. And um, they, uh, they only operated it for like a year or two as a military hospital because it has no elevators. This is why – this is why they said – it wasn't that, you know, the, the guys were treated badly or whatever. In fact, they had a high survival rate. They, were, they only had a handful of uh, soldiers pass away there. But it was just so hard for the, the you know, the amputees and the people who were severely injured to get up and down the stairs. Yeah. So it, it wasn't that for long. And then it became um, Victoria College from 21 to 46. And then, if you can imagine this, can imagine working here, it became – the Victoria School Board office from 1946 to 1968. Wow. Can you imagine having your yeah. offices? This is a castle. Yeah. I can't emphasize. Yeah. It's a castle. It looks like a castle. And then it became a music conser- conservatory from 69 to 79. And we watched a little film about that, and it was kind of funny because there was a period of time um, in probably like 78, 79, where the historical people shared the castle with the music conservatory. And they – and it. Seems like they did not get along. <laughs> and then the music conservatory went, they found another kind of 
cool old building to go to. But some of the people they interviewed, Greg, it was really funny. Like some of the music students were still kind of bitter because they, they love that place. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, it's uh-huh. really beautiful. But the reason I'm kind of tar- talking about it a lot is while we were there. Um, now, remember, Jackie is the one who's always asking me, like, the theory behind ghosts. Is that a ghost? Would a ghost really do that? Yeah, yeah. Or like, <laughs> What's is, the is theory that, behind that? that? Why do they do that? What is... Andy, the ghost expert. So she told she told me after we left, right? And this thing is like four stories or something. It's 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 a pretty good, you know, walk around. And um, oh, and I have kind of a I have a funny little story. Just a, just a little aside. I really pride myself on follow when I'm in a historical society. Or I'm visiting, like if I'm visiting something that is, is uh, meaningful to so- another culture or whatever, I am really particular about being respectful. Mm-hmm. Like I don't goof around, you know, unless it's encouraged or whatever. <laughs> and but I, I I don't touch anything. I'm not supposed to and everything. And I I have to admit I'm like, and this is something I've got to work on. There were you know their tour guides were super nice, super nice. But there was in the cle- castle, in the castle. But there was clearly this woman who was kind of in charge, and she she had that kind of like very ner- nervous, like oh you know kind of oh don't touch it, you know that kind <laughs> of thing. And we were we were kind of leaning into this one room and reading, you know they have plaques up and everything, and reading the plaques. And she was like, sir, sir. And and I had a messenger bag on, right? And she's like, "Could you move your your bag around to the front? Because I think when I was leaning over, it was like coming close to touching things or knocking things over." And my I not good thing about myself. My instant kind of reaction was well, kind of embarrassment, but mixed with like, "Don't talk to me like I'm a child," you know, like that kind of thing. But I'm just like, you know what? I think this is like one of those things. Oh, I, and I didn't. I moved. I instantly moved it to the front. You didn't like, knock anything over. No, I didn't knock anything over and move my bag. At any rate, so it just it was just kind of funny because I was just like, you know, when you have things kind of, I'm like, oh, it kind of, it, it, I don't take, I don't take too well to like people like, you know, scolding you scolding like a child. Me. Yeah, yeah, I don't like yeah. being yeah, scolded. Is not it doesn't work with me. <laughs> um, but but you know that was just such a minor little thing, and you know I got over it really quickly. Uh, but when when we left. Jackie told me, she's like, wow. She's like, I thought, she's like, I thought I was going to pass out. I was like, really? And she's like, yeah, I was, I was just really dizzy. And I think, I, mean, I don't want to put words into her mouth, but I asked her, like, whereabouts that happen? And there was a floor that was like, I think, like a ballroom floor. And she said it was really happening around there. Um, and she's, she's like, yeah, I was just, I was dizzy and nauseous. And she's like, I, I really felt like if we didn't get out of there, I was going to pass out. And uh, one of the things I find that is really interesting about that is I'm the one with allergies. I'm the one that kind of has like allergy trigger, triggered asthma and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Not Jack. Yeah, she usually doesn't have those she kind of issues. She doesn't usually have that kind of thing. And I didn't feel any effect like that at all. And I know I do know one of the things that people report, and we're going to go over maybe various explanations for this but one of the things that people report in haunted areas is that kind of that kind of uh a nauseous kind of almost like kind of physical reaction to that kind of thing yeah now was that was that castle known to be haunted you know that's a weird that's a weird thing i don't think we heard anything about that being haunted but i'm telling you like if you were to write a story or you were to or you were to try to find a setting for a ghost story this would be it 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it's Victorian, it's a castle. It's, and there's World War One soldiers. It, there's World War One soldiers. The family that was living there, like, I'll tell you funny, like, one of the, so when when the widow moved in, she moved in with, like, I think, like, three daughters and then two grandchildren that were orphaned. Like, who, I don't remember who the parents were, but probably the sons or something. Mm-hmm. Um, they were orphaned, and one of the kids was, like, I think he was, like, 11, and then um, I forget how old the other one was. But one of the daughters, so one of the daughters of the widow, um, oh gosh, what was her name? It was like Letty or something like that. She, the little plaque in her room where they talked about her, they were like, the the family story, like she was clearly, she had mental illness. Right? Oh. And the family story was that happened or was triggered because the family was, was traveling in Moscow, Rus- Russia, and there was rioting going on and there was an explosion and a hand flew into her carriage, a severed hand and Ooh. landed on her lap. Ooh. And they were like, that's what caused her to be insane. What we know, we know now that that's, that would be how, that's traumatic, how. but probably wouldn't right. alter and you from, and then it went on to further say, you know, she had these various problems. And then the, uh, I don't know if it's like the, this, you know, Victorian Commonwealth or whatever it was. Uh, they declared her and it was uh, Jack and I were like, this is hard not to laugh. She was like a certified lunatic, you know, so whatever. But she, you know, so we don't was, use that language. Anymore, no, do we, we don't. So but there was I mean, the point being is there was there was definitely weirdness, sadness, madness, you know, tragedy um, associated with the cast. It was so, but there was also but to be fair, there were there were students that loved it. There were um, the, the World War One soldiers. It didn't sound like they had. Like it wasn't a tragic. I mean, it was probably a hard place because you're recovering from wounds. Yeah. And but they and, were alive, and the war was yeah, over. <laughs> they, yeah. So, um, but like atmospherically, it does seem like a place that should be haunted. Yeah. One of the creepiest things. I'll see if I can find the photo. And we can just put castles in general yeah. seem like they should be haunted. But what's great is you know they have the exhibit, so they're setting up. They have rooms that are set up with you know with the piano and everything. And this is just what I'm just like really they had to do it this way. They had. Um, some mannequins in uh period clothing and the room that had like the piano in it had like little kid mannequins with the little like victorian clothing on but they had no heads oh yeah that's <laughs> so, creepy so they're in like the posture of like running or playing yeah. or whatever and, and I'm, I'm sure that jackie took a picture of it i'll see if i can find it but it's just that's like, kind of odd i'm just like that's kind of creepy. I think they were just displaying the costumes, but it's like, ah. yeah, you know, head the, makes a lot more. If you work there, and even if you never had anything happened, it would be creepy with the lights down, walking past yeah. that. No Headless way, people. No way. No thanks. Um. So, anyways, so that was. I don't know, as you'll find out as we talk about this, whether she had an experience that was uh, Jackie. What that not feeling kind of? Yeah. Like yeah, whether that feeling was, off because of a haunting or just you know who knows maybe uh, an allergen or something um i used to have uh there used to be a club downtown in uh seattle called the weathered wall do you remember that club uh it, I, th- I remember the name I, it I was across it. from uh the uh uh the tower hotels what are the the two towers the, um where bill clinton stayed yeah why can't i remember the four the seasons not the four seasons oh, yeah, shoot anyway it doesn't that? matter um but this place, it was kind of an older older Seattle building, and I saw a lot of bands and everything there. But I would periodically have 
this thing where I've, I was going to feel like I, in that place in particular, hand, it happened to me like two or three times where I thought I was going to pass out. Like I, I felt the same way. I felt like kind of woozy and, and, and it wasn't because of drinking or anything like that. And weirdly, it wasn't when I was seeing like the bands with a big crowd of people. Um, in fact, one of them was like a kind of mellow spoken word thing. And I was just like, and I had to literally go to the to the side of the room and kind of lean against the wall because I thought I was going to pass out. So who? Ah, yeah, I, yeah, that's not ghosts. That's I, just some I, weird I wish thing. I remember the names, Andy. But near those tower hotels, which yeah. we both can't think of right now, everyone <laughs> yeah. knows where they are if you live yeah. in Seattle. There was an old theater there. I, I think that's what it was. Orpheum, or it was, I forget the name of it. Maybe, that's but it was, what it was a and it was there for like fifty years yeah. from nineteen ten to nineteen sixty. Uh, yeah. So there was an old building there. Yeah. So I don't nearby. Yeah, who knows? Nearby, who knows? yeah. Might so, be some uh, ghosts associated with that. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> so yeah, let's dive so into it. Uh, the scientific kind of what what scientists kind of when someone asks a scientist, how do you explain ghosts? This is the kind of thing you're talking about here. Right? Yeah, um, and it, it actually because I've been thinking about this show for a while. This actually I'm going to use as kind of a guide. I'm not going to read from it verbatim, but uh, Gizmodo. Uh, it was a website, and they had around Halloween, I think in 2017. Yeah, it was in 2017. They had an article that they put out, like, why do people see ghosts? And they're more of a, a science and gadget sort of thing. So this is, this is all just scientific explanations. And um, when I was talking to Greg about this, I said how I wanted to kind of structure this is, like, we're Scrooge. Because, you know, if in A Christmas Carol, when Scrooge first sees the first ghost of his former partner, uh, Marley, right? Mm-hmm. He he has this kind of funny thing when Marley is like, I'm your old partner. He's like, no, you're not. You're like a badly digested piece of beef or <laughs> a, a morsel of cheese or something like that. So he's so we're going to start off like Scrooge and then we'll get to like how Scrooge was at the end. <laughs> a total believer, right? <laughs> so... Yeah, like I said, this came out in uh, October of 2017. And what they did essentially is they're like, uh, you know, um, they talk about according, this is in the article, according to Pew Research Center, close of close to one-fifth of Americans believe they've seen a ghost. Mm. A somewhat surprising statistic given all the other ancient beliefs. We mostly jettison, blah, blah, blah. That's either you can tell the angle that they're coming at is kind of skeptical. So they went and uh, talked to a, a, a few um essentially scientists, uh, psychologists, and so forth, and had them ask them, like, why do people see ghosts? And I'm just going to go through them. I'm not going to read their entire response. I'll just kind of hit the high points. And some of them kind of repeat. You'll, you'll, you'll notice that a few of them have a kind of a similar theory. And the first guy is Christopher Finch, founder of the Anomalistic Psychology Research Unit at Goldsmiths University of London. And, uh, you know, what he says is... Um, you know, that when people think they're seeing a ghost, they haven't necessarily actually seen something. Um, very often you'll find that what people are referring to is a bit vaguer than that, like a like a sense, right? And he, uh, he's like, people tend to assume when you suggest that maybe they were hallucinating that they're saying that, that you're saying that they're crazy. And he said, I thought this was interesting. And I'm going to relate this to our first episode when I talked about my story about hearing the mm-hmm. voice, I won't yep. bore everybody with it, but I heard a voice say my name and he's like, hallucinations are much more common amongst the non-clinical pop- population. In other words, people who don't have a problem with normal, yeah, normal, unquote, normal, normal quotes. People. Yeah. Uh, amongst the non-clinical population that it, then is generally appreciated. 
we can all hallucinate under appropriate conditions. And he goes on to talk about sleep paralysis. We've talked mm -hmm. about that before. I think most people know what that is, but essentially it's like you're not quite in the dream state and you're not quite awake and you can have what feels like a total, you're paralyzed and you can have, you can see things that feel totally real. Mm -hmm. um, but your body's still in that sleep state and you yeah. feel, if you're paralyzed. And I think, Greg, I, think, I feel, I can't remember if I told you about this before, but I used to have nightmares all the time when I was a kid, like a lot of nightmares. I'm talking about like age, like, like four to seven. Yeah. Right? Really young, really young. And I think I had this sleep paralysis mm -hmm. because there, I remember I would hear like a kind of roaring, uh, which is common and I wouldn't be able to move. And I saw, I remember one time and it felt so real and I'm convinced it was sleep paralysis. I saw a ghost, but like what a little kid thinks a ghost is oh. like a sheet. Oh, wow. Coming up the stairs and coming in. They were terrifying. And then I would wake up and like, yeah, it was so, <laughs> so scary. I remember, I can remember it pretty, um, you know, and my parents were like, it's just a bad dream. And that's, that's what I always thought is it was a dream. Mm -hmm. And I think they were kind of partly right. I think it was a sleep paralysis mm -hmm. because I remember I wouldn't quite understand whether I was awake or asleep. I would just remember like panicking and then finally being able to move. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, panic. It was mm. scared. We had yeah. uh, one of the first houses I remember living in. My parents lived downstairs and then my sisters and I lived on the top floor and it was an old house. And they, my parents installed um, like a, a, what do you call it? A, a, where you communicate the electronic. Oh, user. intercom? Intercom. Thank you. God, I couldn't remember that for some reason. And I think it was because I had a couple, like I had pneumonia when I was mm. a kid and I had a couple of things. Mm. And I remember, like, I think it was that one. I would think it was the ghost one. Mm -hmm. Like when I finally was able to move, just hitting that button and oh. like, like screaming for my parents. Whoa. Like, oh, so to them, you know, I never heard this story. So to them, it must have been like, what the, what is happening to him? You know, um, but uh, oh yeah, I used to have horrible, horrible nightmares. Uh, so yeah, that's that's his thing. And you know, honestly, uh, going back to my episode, Greg's, we talked each talked about our our best stories of weird things happening, and yours was the way. Yeah, and mine's just a weird thing. I mean, yeah. you could ascribe it to a ghost or yeah. something else. You're talking but. about the wave, right? Uh, no. Oh, um, that's the one I was Okay, about. okay. Yeah, yeah that, that definitely was not a yeah. – that was something. if that was something, it was something else. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of jealous of Greg of that one because he actually there, – there was another person there to witness. I have a witness. <laughs> I honestly – I think when I read this and I think about mine where I heard the voice as clear as day yep. saying my name, I think it was what this guy's talking about. Like if I were to bet money on it, if you were to be like your entire savings or whatever, mm -hmm. you gotta you gotta choose. Was it paranormal or was it what this guy's talking about? A hallucination. Hallucination. I'd say it was a hallucination. Uh, yeah. I, I I really I one thing I, I do remember, and I think I say this every time I tell that story, is I was very relaxed. Like I was um uh like doing that kind of thing, like uh, finishing up a work day or whatever. I was probably just daydreaming and relaxed. Okay, I, I appreciate what you're saying, but yeah. remember the follow-up part. Yeah, the follow-up. <laughs> but the follow-up, I mean... The follow-up part was you went back there a year or two later. later. No, no, years later. Years later. Yeah, years later. 2006, I think. Mm -hmm. And there was the graffiti tag that said ghost. 
at the same place, and he feels he he heard his name, looked for someone, and no one was there. That just makes it neater. (laughs) But no, that's true. It's absolutely true. Um, But like I said, it's probably just a weird coincidence. Yeah. So um, we don't want to go too because we're talking about ghosts, but. If you had an hallucination like that, is that just like your brain twitching, uh, a brain fart? Uh, what's the word you would use? Yeah, uh, I, like a, a a glitch in software. We call it a glitch, yeah, right? So uh, if 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 in your example you heard your name, is just your brain randomly sent a signal that someone called your name? Yeah, and and it could be. It I could, mean, I don't know how to explain hallucinations. It could be I guess something that's the to underlying. maybe it's a little bit of that phenomenon we're, we're going to talk about in a second, um, where your brain is trying to find patterns. So maybe there was like an unusual, I don't know, you know, these were old, older buildings, not super, super old, but maybe there was a sigh of a, of a, a air conditioner or uh, something. And my brain took that and assigned a pattern to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, that could be. So I'm just saying <laughs> when I read this, I'm just like, so I, is that among the, the, you've read several of these scientists yeah. talking about, why do people see ghosts? Yeah. And is that the number one explanation is like a hallucination or, or being in a certain uh, setting, right? Like right, I, right. I also mentioned my story saying that house built in the 1700s right. and my, my cousin's wife told me many story, many ghost stories over yeah. many. And yeah. like, she was convinced she was very convincing. Like she, things moved all this stuff. So when I was going to sleep, you know, my eyes were shut, but, now shut your eyes and put your hand in front of your face. Yeah. You know, you can almost sense something there, right? Yeah. That was a feeling I had when I went to bed that night. Yeah. <laughs> and I told myself, I'm not opening my eyes. Yeah. But I think that was because she was feeding me all these stories, and I was sleeping in a house built in the 1760s. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's you know, maybe hallucin- I'm not sure hallucination would be the right word in my experience or right. what I thought. But I think just you, your brain kind of produces patterns that fit the story they they it kind of gets into that a little bit okay. in one of the later things yeah. but um definitely but now that's what's weird with mine is i were at that time i worked on two different um i worked on the 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 campus where i actually took classes which was fairly modern i mean it was like late 60s to you know through the 70s the buildings were were made um but our our home base was at the law school campus which were buildings that were built in the early 1800s and were creepy and there were stories about them being haunted so <laughs> so there was that whole kind of feeling or vibe right. on, on the campus but what's weird is i had no these were two separate campuses oh okay so but where i had campus. my voice phenomenon happen was the more modern was campus. the more modern campus which is weird because that's it that you, wasn't it it didn't have the quality or character of being a place where you would have a haunting experience. which is usually an older place yeah for, for just because yeah. There's more opportunity for people to right. die there. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, and all, yeah. So when it's an older place. So the next the next guy they asked is a uh, Michael Knees, I think you pronounce his name. Assistant Professor, Department of Psychology, Human Factors, Perception and Cognition Lab at Lafayette College. And um, he's the one that talks about uh, uh, I'll, I will read a little bit of his our phenomenological experiences of the world, the things we believe we see and hear are actively constructed from limited and incomplete inputs from the physical world. The, you know, so in other words, like what your idea of reality is, is you're actually is happens. A lot of it happens 
behind your eyeballs, mm-hmm. you know. And that he's the one that That's he right. kind of in this the, he brings up paradilia which is um uh it is that's the name for a common category of mis misperceptions that occur when a random i.e inherently meaningless perceptual experience is interpreted to have meaning a common version of paradelia is perceiving human faces in random configurations of physical objects a classic example is when people claim to see the face of jesus in a piece of toast or the man in the moon. Um, yeah, or the man in the moon. Um, and he was the first, you're going to hear this repeated. Uh, he's the first one that suggests that this was an evolutionary thing. Um, meaning that, from an evolutionary perspective, other people are especially important stimuli for us to notice. According to this argument, a false alarm, mistakenly perceiving a random inanimate object, perhaps momentarily as human, is less harmful than a miss failing to notice another actual human in one's presence. Thus, when faced with uncertainty, our perceptual systems are calibrated to be more likely than not to register an object as human. I was going to throw in a, a, a funny thing that this reminds me of is, you know, there's a lot of people who use gadgets now to do ghost hunting. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they use yeah. is a, um, it's from um, one of the video game consoles. It's like where you can, uh, I think it's like Xbox where you can stand in front of it and, and it'll, like if you do a dance, it interacts it, sort of. Yeah, it senses it, you. It, it senses you. Yeah. And people use that for like ghost hunting now, and they'll set it up where something. But here's the problem with that: the software with that is designed to try to find a human pattern mm-hmm. in any kind of thing. Right. right. So there's now people who are are looking at the video from that, and they're like, "Look, look, it's a figure," and it's like, "No, it's." You know, it's a coat rack, and your your equipment is trying to make it into a person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but that is bias. Yeah. You got to filter the bias. Yeah, yeah. So um, the next person, the next people they talk to, uh, Neil Dagnell and Keith Drinkwater. Neil is a reader. I don't know what that means. Is a reader in applied cognitive psychology at Manchester Metropolitan University, researching anomalous psychology and cognitive psychology. His lab is undertaking several proje- projects. Centered on belief in the paranormal, Ken Drinkwater is a senior lecturer at Manche- Manchester, same place, who studies paranom- paranormal belief. And um, this one, it's kind of similar, uh, but they're, they talk about um, other explanations drawn on environmental factors, such as electromagnetic fields and infrasound. Uh, Canadian neuroscientist Michael Persinger demonstrated that the application of varying electromagnetic fields to the temporal lobes of the brain could produce haunt-like experiences, uh, perception of a presence, feeling of God, sensation of being touched, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, a haunt, oh, and this is haunt-like perceptions can also arise from reactions to toxic substances. Albert mm. Donay, toxicologist, hypothesizes that prolonged exposure to a range of substances, carbon monoxide, formaldehyde, pesticide, can produce hallucinations consistent with haunting. Uh, similarly, Shane Rogers, associate professor of civil and environmental engineering, reported that fungal, going back to our blob story, fungal uh, hallucinations caused by toxic mold could stimulate haunting-related perceptions. And I was gonna, this, I was gonna take this opportunity to bring up, you know, I'm I'm from Connecticut, and there's a lot of old places, a lot of stories of pe- things being haunted. And one of the more famous ones in my town was this place that, at the time, was known as the Chart House. It was a restaurant. And it was an old building, had been built in the late 1700s, I believe. 
and it had been a bunch of different things. It had been an inn, it had been a tavern, it had been, you know, when I was living there, it had been a restaurant. And there was a very specific story of, of they even had a name for the ghost. And they had a whole story, and I won't, I won't bore you with the whole story, uh, about why this person, this woman was haunting this place and she'd been killed and, you know, murdered wrongly or whatever. And, I mean, a lot of, a lot of mythology built up. And I knew mm-hmm. people that worked there and they all had their ghost stories mm-hmm. of seeing somebody in the window and blah, blah, blah. And so I got kind of excited when a few years ago, one of those many, many, I think it was the granddaddy uh, ghost investigating show. I think it was Ghost Hunters on Sci-Fi. Mm-hmm. They like were one gonna, of the first ones. Yeah, one of the first ones. They were going to do a profile of this place. A chart house. Yeah. And this this place was like a few blocks from where I live, yeah, right? Cool. So it was like, oh, this is awesome. And I remember yeah. telling people, I'm like, oh, you got to watch it and everything. I know about this place and everything. And here's what's funny. You've watched that show before. You've seen similar ones, right? Yeah. Do they do they or do they not react to every little movement or yeah. every little well, thing, right? It's it's it's, it's entertainment. So well, <laughs> here's what's crazy. They Media. Went, they completely debunked chart house the, the chart house one. <laughs> they they went they went to the historical society they find out they found out there was never anybody you officially know, recorded murders officially, there. yeah and, and Not, nothing they, I did, the person was a real person but they found out what her real her real biography was and she i think she died of old age i mean yeah. it wasn't like anything tragic yeah um but one of the things that's interesting is when they there had been a fire from the time i i left uh simsbury connecticut and moved out here. I don't remember when it happened. So they were still in the process of rebuilding the place, but they, so they were walking around and a lot of it was kind of like burned out. Right. Um, but they were using their instruments. And one of the things they found is that there was a lot of electromagnetic leakage. Oh, from the wiring. Wow. That was there. So they weren't insulated well or, or yeah, whatever. It was just, it was just bad. There was a lot of like, and mm. that, so when I read I this, I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I wonder if that, you know, had to do with, the people that worked there feeling uncomfortable or feeling watched or seeing things even. Right. So yeah, I just, I thought that was funny, but of course the one place in my yeah. town is they completely debunked it, <laughs> like, all right. So I, I was signaled by Greg that uh, we're a little running a little long, so I'll shorten it up. Uh, but essentially the other two theories the kind of two scientific theories are that we developed it similar to what the other guy was saying that uh, ancient humans living in a world of predators you had to, if something seemed like it might be threatening or scary or whatever, it was better to react to it, even if it was nothing, than it was to uh, just completely ignore the situation. And um, and then the last thing, I mean, this totally makes sense. What uh, a couple of the other people they talked to, their theory is, is it's essentially priming. It's essentially like if you are primed to believe that there is going to be a ghost or supernatural experience somewhere... Um, then you're more likely to have that happen. And one of the guys, I can't find it right now, but one of the guys, one of his students did an experiment where they took one group to a graveyard and they were like, this is a grave of a guy, he was 79 years old, he died here. And and they're like, do you feel anything unusual? And people are like, no, no, no. Then they went to another grave and they made up a whole story about this. This is a young woman, her her lover left her for somebody else. She killed herself. People say this is the anniversary of her death. It's totally made up. Right. And, but she comes back at this time. And then of course 
what happens is do you feel Ooh. what do you feel yeah, yeah. people are like oh i feel like well a, like a me here. Yeah. like me spend the night in that old house yeah that's, i was primed i was yeah. fed stories it's an old house yeah and i felt like i felt something right so i i, I think it's a pretty valid theory yeah, yeah. <laughs> we so, can attest to that yeah so i so that's that's the poorly digested <laughs> kind of the the scientific ish approach yeah, about so, yeah. how do they explain it, stuff which, like that, and that's actually there's more to it. We yeah. could go on. Maybe we'll do a follow up. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I, but, but pretty, that gives you a, te- a taste. There's a lot of repeat of that idea because they talk to different people, but they all have kind of the same idea that it's you know we human human minds try to make patterns. Yeah, and and then there's also we evolved to uh, detect, be aware detect of risk. risks. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so. Okay. Well, I'll go ahead and move on to the uh, kind of the history, like how far back do ghost stories go. And I did kind of quick research, so I didn't do a comprehensive research. But the oldest uh, the oldest civilization that kind of had a, a view on ghosts were the Babylonians. And uh, they believed uh, that, you know, it's kind of like, almost like a Buddhist thing. They believed that lives, the life of someone who's died— is made better when you make you bring food and uh, drink, and I think the Buddhists do something similar to this day. I think a lot of cultures do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I think Mexico, don't they? Yeah. The day, uh, day muerte, and the ghost, uh, the ghost money, and that you burn. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. So, uh, and this dates from about 1700 BC. So this is almost 4,000 years uh, of tradition, or well, at least old, 4,000 year old tradition, and uh, they said. If the relatives did not take care of their deceased ancestors, the visits could vis- the ghosts could visit sickness or illness mm-hmm. on the the relatives who weren't doing their job. So the idea of a ghost it, it might probably goes back even farther, but that's pretty far back yeah. in at least as far as civilization goes. And the next oldest, which is almost contemporaneous, was uh, the Chinese. And this was interesting. The earliest Chinese literature are ghost stories. Yeah. And this is from about 1600 B.C., so right around the same time as the Babylonians. And apparently ghost stories are still popular in China to this day. And also, I think, as mentioned a little earlier, you know, it has to do with the religion, the, the Buddhism. And, uh, it's just, oh, yeah, and they talk about the ghosts are people who are still attached to the world for some reason, to the earth for some reason. And often in the Chinese culture, it's an improper burial. So it's very important in their culture to have a proper burial. So that if you don't get buried properly, you might become a ghost. And (laughs) continuing on quickly, uh, the Bible has a story of Samuel in uh, 1 Samuel 12 to 18. And it's interesting side note, the witch of Endor. Uh Is that where Lucas got Endor? Oh, Because that's in the Bible. Right, right, right. So Samuel goes to the witch of Endor. To summon the spirit of, no, uh, I'm sorry, Saul goes to the witch of Endor to summon the spirit of Samuel because he needs him for some advice. Right. And when Samuel gets risen, he said, why did why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? <laughs> so apparently conjuring is part of the uh, Jewish and Christian faith, which I didn't, didn't know about. Yeah. But that was around 1100 B.C. Yeah. So again, a pretty old ghost story, yeah. and what I find interesting, uh, in my, <laughs> due to my faith, is uh, Luke twenty four thirty nine when you know the resurrected Jesus appears before the the apostles, and 
in Luke 24, 39, they react like, oh, it's a ghost. And he said, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, I'm not a ghost. You can touch me. I can, but you can't touch a ghost. So right. Jesus isn't de- debunking them on yeah. the idea of a ghost. Yeah. And so in the last uh, quick historical thing I'll mention is uh, Pliny the Younger. He was a famous Roman. Pliny the Elder was his adopted dad who was very famous. I think they were, I forget their literature. They were famous for some reason. Maybe they were in politics or something. Yeah. And he told a story of his ha- house in Athens was t- uh, haunted. Yeah. So this, and I was telling, we were talking about this earlier. Uh, so the apparition rattles chains, which is something we kind of see in, you know, old ghost stories right, nowadays. Right. And uh, I, I haven't read the full story but I guess he's interested in this 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 ghost, and he he locates the ghost disappearing at this certain location each time, and they dig up that location, and sure enough, there's human remains with rusty chains. If if I got the story right, yeah. So uh, that's also and apparently that ghost they think it was he was a tortured soul because he was not properly buried, yeah. which we saw in the Chinese thing. So. That's kind of a little bit of the history. Ghosts go way back and also kind of goes to some of the, uh, you know, stereotypes we have of ghosts. Rattling chains, improper burial, uh, violent deaths, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then uh, I kind of went the other direction. I wanted to see, like, as we'll talk about in a little bit, the idea of of spirits or or ghosts being attached to things, like the the theory of attachment. Yeah. that I'm like, well, you know, people spend a lot of time on now on the internet and <laughs> on their social media and so forth. So I did a searching and really, to be honest, I didn't really turn up much. There's not um, much. I yet. found this one article that's really fun and we'll put a link to it. And it, it kind of, um, it's called Ghost in the Machine Inside the Internet's Paranormal History. But it's kind of a deceptive title because really what they talk about are like kind of a lot of what they talk about are like, uh, ghost hunting gadgets and stuff right, like that, which right, is not yeah. really that's not really internet. The internet, yeah. Um, but the only thing they get to is they talk about, and, and Greg and I, I think, have talked about this a little bit. Now that you know things move on and things like MySpace and everything are just kind of abandoned, you know, kind of a graveyard. Like, of like, uh, do you have? Do you, do you know if you have a MySpace profile out there? I don't. I remember I made one at some it's point. It's still out there, then. It probably is. And mine is, too. And it's like, I haven't been there. So, you know, <laughs> I would have no idea how to access so it. So they, they talk about, you know, the, the, there's some places that are kind of uh, derelict, um, and but they're still running, which that I find is really interesting. Uh, so, you know, they talk about the, you know, internet uh, memes that kind of came out. Until we've talked about the Slender Man attacks mm-hmm. yeah. and everything. So some paranormal stuff kind of goes through, or through ghostly, it, yeah. or paranormal um, ideas go are spread through the internet. But, yeah, yeah, but but you know the idea that ghosts are like psychic energy, sort of like yeah. imprinted on a location, like right. for a violent death. Right. You think. But we spend so much of our lives nowadays on the internet. Exactly. But there's no real place. There's servers around the world. <laughs> um, yeah, the closest I could come to that is that there is, a, for example, there's mostly in Japan, there's a, a, a legend called the Red Room, which tells of a mysterious red pop-up that if closed will cause the user to die or go insane. <laughs> Don't <laughs> close those red pop-ups. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, then they talked about the abandoned spaces so there's a 1997 website called called hot hot libs hot lips ghost stories uh 
or the early 2000s click-through haunted house, which sounds kind of interesting, called the Bone Garden Estate. And they're just they're just there, and they've been there for years. Uh, and this this says they're creepy enough in their own right, but now that they're abandoned, stuck in time, they generate a different <laughs> sense of unease, like the one house in your neighborhood with overgrown weeds and cracked <laughs> windows and stuff. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, yeah, they just they it just kind of talks about that, and that's kind of fun. And there's I I'm hoping we'll see if we can get it to be our music. There's um like uh, uh the Lavender Town, which is in a what is it? It's in Pokemon. There's a section in this one game called Lavender Town. It has this really kind of creepy song, you know, music to it. And there's stories that it, it's driven kids insane or whatever. I, I didn't drive me insane, so <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. But we'll put that up. It's a really it's a really fun article. But it I didn't honestly I didn't really find anything about internet hauntings. Yeah. I kind of thought I would. I thought you know with you would think even just the mythology with um, that kind of pre-social media movie, The Ring, which there was the Japanese version, De Ringu, or was it it's called Ringu, and then there's um, The Ring, that's the American version. And very quickly, and I'm spoiling it, uh, there's essentially it's like cursed videotapes. It shows ah. you how old it is. <laughs> and then you find out... Um, there were videotapes like there was this girl who was psychic and she was having all these experiments done on her and she imprinted herself onto the onto the uh. videotape i just seems to me like it the germ of like mythology is about internet hauntings is right there mm-hmm. it seems very cinematic but yeah. it it doesn't i i didn't really find much yeah. in the in the myths you know or or yeah, claims of things happening maybe part of it is you know the internet if if you were in 1997 on the internet or now in, 19, yeah. in 2019 on the internet, it seems modern and new yeah. and electronic and futuristic. Right. Maybe like that whole idea of setting the stage or priming. Yeah. The, it just isn't there on the internet. Yeah. But when you're out in an old Connecticut cemetery or forest or yeah. near an inn that's been there since the 1700s, that that's just a whole different vibe. Yeah. And uh, the internet doesn't have that vibe. Yeah. But, you know, if ghosts are a real thing, now, this, I don't know how they would this be isn't, on the internet. <laughs> this isn't really a ghost thing, but Greg remembered something. I'm going to have him tell really quick because it relates to something we talked about way back at the beginning. See, we've been doing yeah, this one, about 10 years. Yeah, right? one of our first episodes, we talked about your online life right. and what happens. I mean, this was, yeah, 10 years ago, so yeah. 09. Yeah. But inter- uh, Facebook was just becoming big back then yeah. in 09. And we're talking about what, what happens when you die. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know... Uh, unfortunately, my dad passed away two and a half years ago, and his Facebook profile is still out there, yeah. you know? And I, I mentioned this to Andy. He said, well, you should mention it on the podcast. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's whose responsibility is it to have it taken down? And do you want it taken yeah, down? Yeah, and I kind of, like I told Andy also, I don't mind it being there. It's like, oh, there's my dad. He's friends with my cousins. And yeah, all. Yeah. I see my dad kind of, in a way it's a a pretty vivid reminder of his life. Right, right. Because, you know, especially like Facebook is so yeah. big and involved. And it's kind of a memorial yeah. uh, to him. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, maybe, yeah, I don't know. And you were saying you don't know Facebook's policy. Like, I don't. If I someone don't doesn't touch do an account for five years, yeah. they say, hey, this guy's dead. We're going to, we need that space. I mean, yeah. how many billions of people can they? <laughs> yeah. But, but I've, like I said, I've heard of, of places like 
you know, defunct companies or bands or whatever, and their page is still out there. So <laughs> Someone's yes. paying the uh, hosting fee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, space is pretty, you know, there's a lot of space, particularly for old websites yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. It doesn't take that much. So um, this, these are the non-scientific, as we said, non-scientific uh, paranormal explanations for ghosts. And the most, one of the most common ones is, uh, at least in the Western area, Western world, is the idea that a tragedy or something very intense, like a battle that happened, kind of imprints itself onto a area or a house or something. Or a battlefield. A battlefield. Um, and, uh, you know, that makes sense. Uh, it, but there's kind of an interesting, like, um, eh, quasi-scientific or pseudoscience um, idea of how that you know, that may happen, and it's called the stone tape theory. And the idea is is that these emotions and uh, uh, actions get, like, literally recorded into the geology of the, um, of the, uh, the area. And it's most, co- you know, once again, you believe this stuff, it's commonly reported in places that have a high level of quartz or limestone. Mm. For wow. some reason, those are, you know those are particularly suitable to, to recording this sort of thing. And the name comes from actually a 1972 Christmas ghost story produced by the BBC called the stone tape. And they, they kind of talked about that. And I think that's where a lot of people, I don't know if they borrowed the theory from somebody um, or if that's what got the theory started, but mm. um, it was an actual uh, TV drama. <laughs> uh, and then another, I never had heard that theory. Yeah. So like, According to that theory, some places are just more susceptible to right. imprinting, uh, right. or whatever, like a battle or, or yeah. a violent death. Yeah, huh. it's kind of, it's yeah, kind of I've never heard that. Yeah, and that there's certain good. people who are sensitive or certain conditions will trigger it. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, wow. Um, and then there's you know, then there's the ideas, uh, uh, which I find kind of interesting, of poltergeists, uh, which are kind of physically active ghosts or phenomena where things fly around and. Uh, you know things materialize or dematerialize and the paranormal explanation of that or one of the paranormal explanations of that is that it could be unconscious telekinesis and there have been researchers that have noticed that where these things happen there tends to be a adolescent uh, usually an adolescent girl but not always and disturbed or some emotional there's there's some emotional uh, thing going on trauma or thing happening I think it's traumatic just just being a teenager sometimes so yeah um, and one of the most famous of those, I won't go into the details, but it was the infield haunting. And the reason I won't go into details is because there's so much you can find on the internet about this. And it's a good one to, it's a good one to check out because it has everything. Even if you're a skeptic, uh, there, they did catch the girl. So, uh, just quickly, this happened in, um, Sorry, I'm looking this up. So this happened between 1977-1979 uh, to primarily these two sisters, age 11 and 13. And it was in Brimstown, Infield, England. And a council house, which I think is like kind of a tenement house, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. And um, uh, like I said, there's a lot you can find on YouTube. There, there was a movie they uh, that featured, because the... Um, uh, the couple, the the uh, what do they call? Uh, sorry, 
<laughs> I'm forgetting their names now. They were actually from Connecticut. They investigated a lot of the uh, uh, the Warrens. The Warrens were the couple that investigated a lot of hauntings and stuff. They checked it out. Um, but what I find really interesting about it, they they did, like I said, they did catch one of the girls like kind of hoaxing some of the stuff. Oh wow! But there's also there were two patrol cops that showed up one night and they noticed like they actually noticed. Um, a chair, I think it was, like sliding across. But they saw it with wow. their own eyes. And one of them, you can see the interview on, on YouTube where one of them is a female uh, police officer. And she says, I, I walked around, I looked for, for wires and everything. And she even went so far, she happened to have a marble in her pocket. And she put it on the floor to see if it if the floor was just oh. tilted and it didn't move. Wow. So there was a lot. And there was a photographer. There was a photographer mm-hmm. who said that he... He was hit by, um, like, essentially, like, Legos that he was taking pictures and everything, and he saw a Lego just fly and hit him hard enough to leave a little scrape on his, like, leg wow. or something like that. So so there's a lot of – there was a lot of yeah. eyewitnesses, there, um, but there, it's also controversial. So that's, that, that's not really – they not sure if that would be, like, a ghostly thing or, like – a telekinesis thing for right. troubled youth. Exactly. That's just one theory. So that's one theory. Yeah, so yeah. like if someone thinks they're haunted, it may be yeah. a troubled youth nearby. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So, you know, I know you're not quite the expert, but like Jackie asking you, if a ghost is immaterial, right? They're yeah. not, they don't have physical right. existence, right? According right. to most theories yeah. and legends and everything. How could they move something? Well, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the question, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so uh gifted ghosts yeah (laughs) (laughs) or just it's just energy it's built up energy um then uh you know another theory kind of getting into getting into uh, other cultures and stuff in buddhist tradition in buddhist writings there's a thing called or a phenomenon called a preta and it's i believe it's spelled p-r-e-t-a but it's pronounced preta and in other words it's a hungry ghost and what it is is it's somebody who has these unresolved, even in addiction, and they talk about like it's, it could be to sex or material goods or gambling tobacco. or <laughs> tobacco. Yeah, that's a that's a big one. Like, um, and they they are they they lusted after these things so strongly in life that they continue to. Um, yeah. After death, and I don't think that's just an Eastern thing. That's, no, it's not. No, that's it's not. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've talked about that before. I yeah. think you know, uh, people that just can't move on to where they're supposed to go, right? Kind of hang out, yeah, <laughs> looking for that thing that keeps them attached right. to the earth, right? And that uh, you know, and 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 that's that's kind of I think it's a scary idea too because it could be just somebody who's such an angry, bitter person, you know, that they they just can't let that go. And what kind of entity would they make after life right? <laughs> um and then uh kind of winding it up uh one of the th- one of the theories i think is really fascinating is the idea that what we're not seeing is is ghosts in the sense that or experiencing is not ghosts in the sense that um that it's a person who's passed on it could be instances of the veil of time being split so in other words like particularly the if you think about the 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 ghost appearances where they're repeating an action Mm -hmm. maybe you're not seeing the spirits of the dead but what's happened is it it makes such a strong once again kind of going to that strong emotion or or tragedy or whatever 
that it it pierces through time. Mm, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it kind of it's so strong it, that it maintains a presence throughout. It's time really before. them doing yeah. this thing that they did at that right. time, right. but it's not totally real because it's it's like pierced right. through time. space time right. or whatever. And then the other the other thing I think yeah. is interesting is the idea Never. of like interdimensional. So in other words, what may appear to be a ghost to us, it we may pe- appear to be a ghost to them. Like if they're in some other existence, right. some other exactly. universe or and, dimension or whatever you want to call it. And maybe in the past or maybe in the future. And there was another show, um, it was really interesting, uh, where the host, one of the hosts actually went on a on a ghost hunt in a, in a very active place. And I won't go into detail about it, but he went with some other ghost hunters and the thing he saw is they actually had a couple little things happen, but the thing he saw, he didn't even really think anything about. He saw a guy in a pair of shorts, like sandals and a baseball cap walk in front of the, the ghost hunter guy that he was there with. And he thought it was somebody from another tour. Cause this is a place that gets tours. Yeah. And then they, and somebody else in his group saw that person too. But the guy who was, who the, person or entity walked in front of did not notice them at all oh wow and they started comparing notes and there shouldn't have been anybody there uh, <laughs> but if, if and so they didn't think that this was a ghost was a ghost just like a person it's just a person mm-hmm. and a modern person yeah so could it be and there were some other stories from that that made me think like could it be a place that it allows rips between time and dimensions yeah and you know what you talking about this just made me think about my little i have a few stories but yeah. the little story when i came home after a trip and i heard the clunk. the old clunk, uh, old light switch from the 40s yeah. go clunk 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 it just i'm not sure this is a real memory but when you talking about that my mom we used to have a tenant upstairs who yeah. was a family friend and mom would yell his name and bruce bruce and go clunk 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 to get his attention because it's yeah. loud yeah and you talking about piercing through time made me wonder Whoa. if my experience was some kind of thing from the 70s my mom calling bruce that's kind of a, that's kind of a cool thought <laughs> i just it? thought of that right yeah. now because i think she used to do that to get his attention oh, i think as yeah. I, I mean it's a long time ago but uh yeah, so you just made me think of that in a new way, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> You're opening minds everywhere, <laughs> or at least in this room. Um, so yeah, I think I think we covered a lot. Yeah, that. yeah. This is a fun episode for Halloween. Yeah, all about ghosts and uh, nothing really too creepy. Kind of a a meta ghost thing, yeah. talking about ghosts from scientific and legend and history. They show up in the Bible. I kind of a weird thing. I yeah. never thought there was ghosts in the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> and in Shakespeare too. That's one of the yeah. He's a little about. more contemporaneous. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. That's still five hundred years ago. Yeah. Right? Um, but yeah, I I always wanted to do this. I always wanted to kind of get into an explanation of it. We uh, we always have to do our our Halloween episode. We're gonna keep doing that as long as we can. And um, but I think that's you know just that so that sound behind you that whispered voice may be paradelia or it may really be a ghost (laughs) happy halloween happy halloween that's episode 34